Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about space, time, and prayer. All right, here we go. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to use the series we finished last week on the light of God as a launch point to bring some of the loftier ideas we discussed um, in our last session into a more practical realm. I know some of you's head is still swimming from last week. Had a lot of response on the podcast. And you start talking about going faster than light and people tune in. (laughs) So last week we talked about the special relationship that natural light has with time, including the mind bender that a traveler approaching the speed of light, for him, time slows down relative to the people that he left behind. This week, I want to talk about space and time, but I want to relate it to our practical everyday prayer life especially when it comes to prayers that seem to take a lot of time to manifest. Anybody familiar with those kind of prayers? Hallelujah. So the title of my message today is Space, Time, and Prayer. So let's begin with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning is a pretty good place to begin, isn't it? Hallelujah. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, lately, I've been learning to read it this way. In the beginning time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. So you have time, space, and matter being created by God Almighty. So we live in a four-dimensional physical universe of space, time, and matter, which was created by God himself. And scientists call this the space-time continuum. It just means it's everywhere throughout the galaxy with the same physical properties. That's what a continuum means. But there's another realm that coexists with the space-time continuum, the physical natural universe, that we Christians routinely refer to as the realm of the spirit or the spirit world. And contrary to what you hear people say all the time, I'm going to go on record here, there is time And there is distance in the spirit realm. You hear people say all the time, there is no time or distance in the spirit realm. You can't support that by the Bible. According to the Bible, there is some type of space, time, and matter in the realm of the spirit. For example, in his vision of the new Jerusalem, the Apostle John saw 12 gates in the city walls, each made of or built with a single pearl. That's Revelation twenty-one twenty-one. Imagine that. That must be some huge oysters they have up in heaven. Think about it. I don't know how they do it, but they have some manufacturing techniques that we are not familiar with on planet Earth. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He said that to his disciples. Now that says to me, that's John 14 too. 
I've already built some mansions for some of my other people. And when I leave, I'm going to build your mansions because I want you to come and dwell in your own place that I built for you, that I prepared for you. So, again, things were built in the heavenly city. So the city of God is a place that was built and is continually being built as a place for the righteous to dwell. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we just read in the scriptures? Jesus also said that hell was prepared or built for the devil and his angels. That's Matthew 25, 41. So heaven and hell were built or created places, and they are separated by some space. Amen. And they exist in the realm of time because if something was created, it had a time that it was created. Therefore, it exists in the realm of time, even in the spirit realm. Now, it may be time that's different from our time, but there is time there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me illustrate by reading from the book of Revelation, which describes a fascinating drama that unfolds in the courts of heaven during the time of the great tribulation on planet Earth. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. Now, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. We're going to read a lot of scripture today, and that's okay. Sometimes I think we cheapen the scripture when we cherry pick the ones we like and we don't really build a picture of where those scriptures came from. You know, if it bothers you, just consider it story time with Dr. Scott. I'm going to read the Bible to you. Okay. Hallelujah. It'll do you good. Amen. Revelation chapter five, verse one through ten. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Amen for that. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spears of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Amen to that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. Now, I'm going to try not to get pulled in this direction, but I have to say this. A lot of believers say, I'm going to go be with Jesus and spend forever with him in heaven. That's not exactly true. You are going to heaven, 
but then you're coming back to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years on planet earth. And you need to know that. Why? Because you're writing your resume right now for what you will be doing in the millennial reign. It's based on how well you use your gifts and talents and abilities that God has given unto you. You'll be rewarded with a seat of authority in the millennial reign. Amen. And you've heard me say this before. I want more than just the chief dog catcher of New Hanover County. I want a little bit more exciting assignment than that. I love animals. Don't get me wrong, but. Glory to God. All right. So if you continue reading through the rest of chapter five and you read chapter six and chapter seven, you'll see that Jesus opens six of the seven seals. Listen to me. And he does it in sequential fashion. One, then two, then three, then four, then five, then six. And that means that they were opened over a period of time. Okay. This drama clearly takes place in the city of God, which we generically call heaven. So it strongly implies that there's some kind of time in heaven, or as I prefer to say, on planet heaven, in the city of God. And when we read the first verse of Revelation chapter 8, all doubt is removed. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 says, And when he, that is Jesus, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So the next person that comes to you and says, there is no time in heaven, please direct them to this verse and say, oh, yes, there is. Maybe it's different than our time, but there is some sort of time in heaven. So the Bible makes it clear in no uncertain terms that there's some sort of time in the realm of the spirit and in places like planet heaven and the city of God. Amen. So speaking of time, I want to talk about time and prayer, time and prayer. Everything I've talked about so far was a foundation that I want to build on about the role of time, both in the natural and the supernatural realm as it pertains to our everyday prayer life. Now, here's where we get into a lot of Scripture again. we got two passages from Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10, 20 plus verses each. You can handle it. It's awesome. So this first passage I'm going to read is Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel, I'll give you a little background, he begins to see in the book of Jeremiah that the time of the captivity of the people of Israel has come to an end. And he wants to know what we do now. What do we do now? I need some wisdom. We're coming to the end of the 70 years that were determined. And now it's time for us to return to our homeland. How is that going to play out? And he begins to consult the Lord. He sees it in the scripture. It's been prophesied. It's been foretold. But you know what? He still feels led of the Lord to pray it in anyway. Verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, 
That should be translated awesome. The great and awesome God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. I want you to hear the heart of Daniel. This is intercession at its finest. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, who spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done, as hath been done upon Israel. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Wow, I remember the first time I read that, and I just got the spirit of Daniel, and I just began to weep as he cried out for the nation of Israel. It was just so moving. Verse 20 and 21. And whilst I was speaking and praying, and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. 
Amen. I want you to center in on these verses right here. Notice it says that the angel Gabriel, that's the same one that appeared to Zacharias and Mary when Jesus was about to be born. This is hundreds of years before then, but it's the same angel. Notice it says that the angel Gabriel was caused to fly swiftly in order to appear to Daniel and bring the answer that he was seeking. Now, why did that catch my attention? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that flying swiftly implies velocity and velocity is a measure of distance traveled over a period of time. So there is distance and there is time in the spirit realm. Do you see that? Even in the spirit realm, he had to fly swiftly to bring the answer to Daniel as soon as possible. So once again, we see from the Bible that there is time and distance in the spirit realm, the realm in which angels operate and evidently fly swiftly from one place to another. Verse 22. And he, the angel Gabriel, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee For thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Wow. Here's the really cool part. The angel Gabriel declares to Daniel that the moment he started praying, even before he finished his prayer, God gave a commandment for him to fly swiftly from heaven and bring him the answer that he needed. And what's even cooler than that is the angel Gabriel ends up giving Daniel way more revelation than he was asking for. He not only tells him about Israel's immediate future, but he tells him about their distant future as well. Even to the point, listen, this is a mind blower, even to the point of telling him the exact day that Jesus the Messiah would walk through the gate beautiful in Jerusalem and reveal himself to the people of Israel and give his life as a ransom for the whole world. The part that we're not going to have time to read is the 70 weeks of Daniel. It's a, it's a fascinating, mind-boggling prophecy. As I said, it pinpointed the exact day that Jesus walked through the gate, beautiful Palm Sunday, about 32 A.D., and Daniel was able to tell it exactly when it was going to happen. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So getting back to Gabriel. If Gabriel started flying to earth the moment Daniel started praying and got there before he finished, it didn't take him very long to get to planet earth, did it? Now, I've heard Andrew Womack a number of times teach on this. And he says the angel Gabriel took about three minutes to get from heaven to earth. And I always wondered where he got that from. And I finally figured it out. He probably went into the text and read the prayer and timed it with a stopwatch. So I decided to do the same thing. I read Daniel's prayer from beginning to end at a comfortable pace with a stopwatch running. And I came up with two minutes and 54 seconds. Close enough to three minutes for me and kudos to Andrew Womack for doing the math. You know me, if I can do some math, I'm going to do some math. 
By the way, that's no small task when you consider that Gabriel probably had to fly across billions of light years, and he did it in roughly three minutes. So the Bible's not exaggerating when it said he flew swiftly. Glory to God. Okay, let's read on in Daniel and see what else we can learn. Daniel chapter 10. We're going to read verse 1 through 14 and then skip to verse 20 and 21. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. This is sort of a, uh, an encapsulation of what this chapter is going to be about. It's a sort of a preface summary. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hiddekel, that's the Tigris River, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. It means he was undone. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee. And stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Let me stop right there. Did you notice what the angel said? I am come for thy words. I'm here to tell you, whether you realize it or not, angels come for your words. So when you pray the word of God, when you lace the word of God in your prayers to God, angels come to fulfill those words. Awesome. Comforting. That's why your prayer life should consist primarily, in my opinion, of repeating God's word back to him. Say, Lord, this is what you said in your word. Be it unto us according to your word. And when you do that, the Bible says angels come for those words. They not only come to hear them, they come to fulfill them. Hallelujah. Okay, so once again, just like in chapter 9, we see from verse 12 in chapter 10 that the angel was released from heaven with the answer the moment that Daniel began to seek the Lord for wisdom about the future of his people. So let me just give you an exam right now. When you pray unto the Lord 
When does He answer your prayer? When you pray. Immediately. The command is given and angels are launched to bring you the answer you need. But this time, even though God answered the moment He started praying, just like the first time, when the angel took three minutes to get there. But this time, it took three whole weeks for the answer to get there or to manifest. So Daniel's first prayer was answered almost immediately, but his second prayer took three weeks to manifest. Why? Well, the angel gives him the answer as you keep reading in verse 13. He says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And then verse 15 through 19, talk about how Daniel was so undone, the angel had to help him get up and be able to even listen to him and respond to him. Okay, so we're going to skip over that and go down to verse 20. Then said he, the angel, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? In other words, do you know why I came? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Now, this is kind of King Jamesian, these last two verses. So let me translate for you. Basically, he's saying this revelation was so important, Daniel. That Michael, the prince, the captain of the host, personally came to assist me. That's how important God felt it was for you to get this revelation that I'm bringing you. And we encountered demonic resistance in the principalities that control Persia. And we had to fight our way through to bring you this revelation. It took three weeks to do. That's what's going on. Now, listen, in Daniel's day, he didn't have authority over demonic principalities like we do. You know, if that happened to us, we can do something about that. We can take authority. We could tear down strongholds, you know. He couldn't do that. He just had to keep fasting and believing that God would bring him the answer. Notice that Daniel kept fasting until he got his answer. He was a true man of faith. Amen. But the whole point here is that sometimes God answers prayer the moment you pray, but sometimes there's resistance and sometimes it takes a bit of time for answers to come. Even when he received so-called instantly, it still took three minutes. So it still took some time for the answer to come. We got to be able to stand in faith when we say amen Until we see there it is. Sometimes between the amen and the there it is, there's a varying length of time. I love it when prayers are answered instantly. But I have to be honest, that's not the norm. It's the exception, not the rule. I'm thinking of one right now I'll share with you. I shared this miracle testimony with the the construction crew a couple days ago. This keyboard is a miracle. My wife and I were doing prison ministry. We did it for 14 years. For 14 years, every week, every Thursday, we went and ministered in the prisons. And, you know, they had a little assembly hall, and they had a little rinky-dink Casio keyboard that just sounded horrible. 
So I just petitioned the Lord one day and I, I just was frustrated. I was driving back from the prison. I said, Lord, I'm tired of those men having to worship to that rinky dink Casio. My wife can play the keyboards. You know, can you bring me a keyboard that she and I can tote up there and we can give those men some quality praise and worship? There's a Yamaha I've been looking at and it costs twenty five hundred dollars. And I've only got fifteen hundred to spare right now. I need a thousand dollars. I'm tired of this rinky dink Casio. Just do something about it. I, I said it just like that. This I'm leaving this up to you. I need a thousand dollars and I need it now. I drove home from the prison, about twenty five minute drive. I walked in the door and the phone rang. I picked up the phone. It was Kroger headquarters in Houston. Now this is in Bossier City, Louisiana. Kroger headquarters called me. I said, yeah, this is Scott Forrest. What do you got for me? Well, you know those little scanners that everybody gets the discounts with? He said, we've been scanning the scanners for the last month, and we picked your number out of thousands of people, and we're going to send you a check for $1,000. I about fainted. I said, you mean you're going to send me $1,000 worth of Pampers or $1,000 worth of groceries or something like that. He said, no, we're sending you a check, no strings attached, just for shopping at Kroger, just for using your little scanner deal. We're sending you a check for $1,000. It came in the mail three days later. I went down to the shop and I bought this Yamaha. And we've had it for 20 years. That was 20 years ago. Glory to God. So it's great when you have answers or prayer like that, but we all have to admit that that's not the norm. Doesn't normally happen that way. So we got to have some fortitude about us. We got to be able to stand and we got to we got to be able to believe God anyway. Amen. No matter how much time passes. So let's put all this together in our everyday prayer life. You know, angels flying through the galaxy is cool. But how does it affect me personally in my prayer life? Well, let's read a couple of foundational prayer scriptures. I just got two. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Most of us know this scripture, right? Pray till, do you really believe it? This scripture tells us that we can know that we have the thing we're praying for as long as we're praying in line with God's will. Amen. Amen. It's absolutely, from what I can tell, a foolproof, guaranteed scripture, right? You pray according to the will of God, you know he hears you. And if he hears you, you know you have the things you desired of him. Amen. Praise God. So. How do we know we're praying according to God's will? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It's possible to get to the point that you're so in tune with the will of God for your life that every prayer you pray is answered. I'm telling you what the Bible says it's possible. And the answer is not no or wait, or any such nonsense as you hear people teach out there in the body of Christ. Heard some guy saying that the answer is either yes or no or wait. Like, I, I don't see that in if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. 
You shall ask what you will, provided you're in tune with him. So if we know we're praying the will of God for our lives and there's a lengthy delay in receiving the manifestation, it may be time to pray against the resistance or the outright opposition of certain forces that may be working against your prayers. There is an ideal time, or this is an ideal time, to lean on your prayer language. Lean on the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray against the opposition. Pray against the resistance. Pray that whatever's blocking the answer to your prayer would be removed. Just pray. You may not even see what's going on. I'm telling you, from what we've read here, surely you know there's a lot going on in the spirit world that we're not aware of. Right over us right now, there's a very active spirit realm. Things are going on right now. Even in this place, there are angels sitting around here going, yes, preach it. Preach it. You know why? It says, bless the Lord, O his angels, Psalm 103, 20, who excel in strength and hearken to the voice of the word of God. They come for your words. They've heard a lot of good words in this service today. So they're hanging around. They're cheering us on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let me conclude with an example. And this is just one that I came up with by the Spirit. And I asked the Lord for an example. That's what came to my spirit. Let's say you've been praying for direction and you feel in your spirit that the Lord has told you to go through a certain door that has been opened up to you. But every time you try and go through the door, it just shuts in your face. Anybody ever had an experience like that? You know the Lord said, go through this door and this wham. It's like it's just shut in your face. The Apostle Paul had this happen to him. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 and 9 in the New Living Translation. He's writing to the Corinthians. He's talking about his itinerary. So he says in verse 8, In the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There's a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. So Paul was aware that there was a door that was wide open but it was difficult for him to get through because he had many adversaries, King James says. So, if I know Paul, I'm betting he got on his knees and he prayed that all resistance would fall to him going through that door and doing a great work for God in the city of Ephesus. Amen? Glory to God. When we face a circumstance like that, we have to spend some time praying against the opposition until the door that the Lord has for us swings wide open. Amen. Glory to God. I had this happen to me in the late 1980s when the Lord told me to leave the active duty Marines and continue my flying career in the Air Force Reserve. I'll spare you a lot of details, but I was told by the Lord when we were leaving Corpus Christi to go to Barksdale Air Force Base. That was my destination. And I would be flying the A-10 Thunderbolt II, amen, which was the desire of my heart, the tank killer, affectionately known by its pilots as the Warthog. So, but every time I called the 47th Fighter Squadron to find out where I could send a resume, I got this belligerent major who kept telling me there was no way I would ever be considered for such a transfer. 
Now, I, I know him by name, and I'm not going to profane him by telling his name out there on the podcast that everybody can listen to. So I just kept calling and calling and calling. Finally, this major said, do, do not call me again. This is not where you're coming. There's no opportunities for you here. So what did I do? I went back. You know, I preach it. I teach it. I have to live it. I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, what am I doing here? I know this is what you're calling me to do, but I'm, this door is just slammed shut in my face. There's no way I'm getting through, at least through this belligerent major. So I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and I did so for several days, as I recall. And all of a sudden, I said, okay, Lord, I prayed in the Holy Ghost long enough. What do I do? He said, call them one more time. I was like, I don't want to do that. I may meet this guy one day, you know. So, I called one more time. And this time, the belligerent major did not answer the phone, but the general's aide did. And he said, we'll take your resume. I'll make sure it goes right to the general's desk. So I sent my resume in. Long story short, moved my family, my two daughters, Stephanie wasn't born yet, up to Bossier City, Louisiana. And I trained and became an A-10 pilot and flew the A-10 for the next five years. But in the beginning, it looked like the opposition was going to prevent me from going through the door that the Lord had for me. But I spent a little bit of time praying about that opposition, praying about what to do. And the Lord said, one more time. And I called, and the rest is history. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe you can use this method for any type of prayer that you know is God's will for your life, but it seems like it's taken way too long to manifest. Anybody out there got prayers like that? I bet we all have something we're believing God for and it hasn't manifest. Listen, you can use this method for any of those prayers, whether it be healing, finances, direction, whatever the case may be. Now, listen, I want to interject an important caveat. Not every prayer you pray will encounter resistance or opposition, but some will. And you need to know what to do when that happens. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message titled, Space, Time, and Prayer. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.